1: Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings.
2: Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it!
1: This is Top Flight Time Machine, I am Andy Hotbody at Orson, pow, pow, pow.
2: I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what?
1: This could be a Life Logistics episode if you want it to be, Sam. Or it could be a history box based on something that has just fallen through my letterbox this morning in the Mm. minutes before we were starting to record this. So, I have in my hand, it's an annual uh, second hand, which I've just bought from the eBay, and it is 1970's Best of Looking magazine. Oh, yeah. yeah you just have um, a look who's on the front of there, we, 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 we can choose random page numbers. Well, we can I know who you that. know
2: my mind, my eye has immediately been attracted to. <laughs> I this do indeed. fucking Richard O'Sullivan, a.k.a. Richard O'Sullivan. the greatest television character of all time.
1: Richard O'Sullivan. Dicta. is
2: on. I mean, yes. I'm rewatching The Sopranos from the beginning at the moment in preparation for the uh, prequel movie that's coming out, I think, next month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the many, the, the many Scenes of, of Newark. Yeah. And so if I watch it again from the beginning, fuck me. If ever a show stands up to a full rewatch, it's that one. Right?
1: I, I, I have the opinion, I've, I've said this before The Sopranos is a. Uh, 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 p- Arguably the greatest cultural achievement of the last hundred years. Wow. When people talk about, when people talk about things like Shakespeare, which has stood the test of time for centuries, mm. I think The Sopranos is up there. The Sopranos, for me, is fucking flawless. It's incredible. And I only watched it again for like about five years. It's certainly up
2: there with the hardline according to Terence Trent (laughs) Darby as a cultural (laughs) achievement. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's it's up there in the Champions League places. are the group. Well, you know. yeah,
1: that's 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 the one comparison you can draw it against. It's the it's springs so good. Immediately and, to mind. And
2: I, and I said this. I re, I wrote this uh, some on the recent recently, but it's like it actually feels not necessarily better, but certainly has added dimensions to it. Watching it, age forty six. Because I think yeah. I originally watched it in my early thirties. I didn't yeah, actually. Yeah. I, st- I didn't actually get into it when it was first out. I watched a couple in my twenties, mm. like early twenties, didn't love it um, because the therapy stuff and the stuff to do his mum. I look back and I think I just found that boring. I, I tuned in wanting it to be Goodfellas, which a lot of people yeah. thought right.
0: Yeah,
2: and suddenly he's sitting in therapy. In those days, the idea of therapy to a British audience, I mean, America, at least, were a little bit more. I just thought, this is fucking demented. Like, this yeah. is just beyond parody. That's what I thought. I, th- I thought it was just meant <laughs> only for comic effect that he was sitting yeah. with the therapy. So I thought no one in their right mind would sit and discuss their feelings. That's, I remember thinking that when I was in my early twenties. fucking ludicrous. And it's boring. Like, what do I care about his mum? Then I go back to it in my thirties, get really into it. It was when our first uh, child was born, and you know when you're awake all the time, you' just fucking mm. we used to like lie on lie on the bed at weird times of night watching it, you know yeah and that that and it established itself then in my mind as one of the greatest things of all time. gone back to it now, and um, in your forties the stuff to do with the mum and the therapy and the fucking existential crisis and yeah. all the other fucking things and him just, you know, all the shit he's struggling with, the stuff he's juggling with, it once you've been through those the hard years of parenthood and, and all the other things that go Ooh. with it, fuck it, it just opens up the whole thing. I mean, there was a quote, I wrote a thing about HBO years ago in The Telegraph, I did a sort of a deep dive into HBO and how it established itself as, like, you know, this great sort of source of cultural revolution. Mm. Uh, and and in it, you know, there's a quote from the studio exec who I interviewed, who... Um, no, actually, it wasn't the one I interviewed. It was the original one who, who, who commissioned it at, the, uh, at, at Sopranos. And he there's this quote saying, when I first saw it, I thought, this guy's in his 40s. He's got... Um, He's got a wife who he loves, but he still plays around. He's got two kids who are teenagers and he sort of can't communicate with them anymore. He's he's inherited a business that he's tr- from his dad that he's trying to bring into the modern world, but there's loads of stuff against it. And he started to query like what the fucking point of his life is and what he's supposed mm. to be doing with it. He goes, he sounds like every guy in his 40s I know. The only difference yeah. is he's the don of the New Jersey mob. And so basically watching it in your 40s lends a lot more to it.
1: Yeah, I imagine, because well, I've not you know, I've not gone back and, and watched it, them back to back. You know what, every time there was there was a launch of some big new drama series that was sort of highly lauded in the media, and I was always invariably slightly disappointed or underwhelmed, and the thing that I would always think was, God, I fucking wish I was watching The Sopranos right now. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I would do that, I would go back and just pick a random episode and just fucking watch one, because it's, it's just head and shoulders above everything else. For me. The, the thing is, you
2: watch it now, and it it's not really dated other than some of the style, but the style was sort of not of that. It wasn't necessarily the style of the late 90s anyway, because they were yeah. all supposed to be fucking like this particular type of fucking Italian-American who lived in New Jersey, so it wasn't like they dressed in the, the like prevalent styles of the time anyway. <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff done on landline where you keep thinking, what the fuck's he talking on his landline for? and yeah. then you think oh yeah because it's the late 90s yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so that's that's a bit different but you do generally think yeah this is still the benchmark and you see the influences in everything I, I remember I, the guy who did who wrote um, Mad Men I interviewed him and he was and he was the lead writer I mean obviously it was David Chase's show yeah. but this guy who I think it's called Matt Wiener, or, Matt Wiener, Wiener or whatever yeah, yeah. He, he was the one who wrote Mad Men and he'd come off the back of being like David Chase's main writer yeah. for the last few seasons. And he said, what it was was is that in, in Hollywood, you'll write each page just as a cost attached to it, right? And therefore, any executive looking at a script says each page has to move the story on and have a certain amount of drama, a certain amount of excitement, a certain amount of sex or violence, whatever, whatever, in order for it to be cost effective, and that was how all scripts got judged before they were put into production. And yeah. what um, the sopranos established, and then Mad Men, you can see like the similarities in the way Mad Men is structured, is that they'd have whole pages of script where willfully nothing happened. So yeah, there'd, be yeah. a, there'd be a page where it's like, Tony is looking at his swimming pool. Mm-hmm. We cut to some ducks. The ducks flap about a bit. We cut yeah. back to Tony. <laughs> Tony is staring. He looks wistful. Tony's having a bit Carl- of a think. <laughs> Carmella is at the window. She looks at him, concerned.
0: Yeah.
2: We cut back to the ducks. That's fucking it, right? Yeah. And he go... The fact that David Chase got that through, through force of will and through the HBO in such faith that this show would win people over, meant that subsequently Mad Men and various other shows were able to do things in a more meditative way, where it wasn't that kind of instant gratification, mm-hmm. just give them non-stop sex and violence, non-stop sex and violence. Of course, yeah. the good thing about Sopranos is you still do get sex and violence, but it feels all the more of a treat when it comes along, because it's made yeah, you yeah. wait. But the other yeah. thing is that makes it superior to pretty much all the other dramas is that it's there's nothing. It's not a comedy drama, and yet it is funnier than any other That's, show. It's and hilarious. It's fucking yeah.
1: hilarious. Yeah, and it's not about the mafia. It's about no. it's about family. It's, it's about, about family, it's just but about it's about, about the, just- it's about the family in terms of a, a generic family, but also about the family of the mafia you know what
2: I mean? Yeah, and just that sort of fucking juggling the shit, all the stresses mm. and the fucking strains.
1: It all comes back to the ducks, Sam. It all comes back it to comes the ducks.
2: It comes to the fucking... Everything well, last about night was an it interesting is about the ducks. Because his lawyer has told him... And, like, you know, obviously, having done a lot of therapy myself, a lot of shit speaks to me now. Like, there's... And I and I end up boring my missus with it afterwards. I go, oh, of course, what the real subtext of that episode was. <laughs> so that's the right laugh for her. No, but I go, like... <laughs> In this, in I'm on series three at the moment, and like his lawyer, he's nearly been pinched, and the lawyer says, "Do you know what you should do? They're watching you so closely. You should start spending your days." in the office of the, comp- the legitimate company that you are down as being the fucking boss of because that mm. way they can never fucking get you and say actually you were never turning up at this fucking job you claimed you did and he said alright and they sa- he said just do it for like six months just turn up at the mm. office until they lose interest so he starts going into this really fucking boring office and he's just sitting around a bit like if you ever had to go into a parent's office when you're a kid just sitting around fucking drawing on bits of paper <laughs> and being bored shitless <laughs> yeah. right and uh, he's really, really bored and he has to start going back to the therapist and the therapist is saying, you know, listen, all these years of violence and mayhem and drinking and all the other shit, all that is is like it's why a shark keeps moving forward. Apparently, this, I thought this is good top light time machine stuff. She reckons, you know, Dr Mouthy, the therapist, mm-hmm. she reckons the only re- – she said, you know why sharks keep moving forward? Apparently, if a shark stops moving, it just goes fucking crazy, right? <laughs> it loses its shit and dies uh, because right. it starts thinking about all the atrocious things it's done. What? Oh, fucking hell, I've led a terrible life. All I've done is eat other fucking fishes and sometimes humans. Oh, what have I done? I've caused so much pain and heartache in these waters. A shark I'm with just going to die. Crisis. I'm going to die of shame. So she goes, you know, you just have to keep doing this stuff because the moment you stop, you start to reflect. And if you reflect on the sadness uh, and you let go of the rage, it can be very, very dangerous unless you Mm. do it, you know, basically under supervision, like of, of a therapist or whatever. And she said, and that's why you're feeling so depressed right now is that you've basically stopped, but you should embrace it and think, right, now's time to reflect. Maybe I can get over these things from my childhood or whatever. And he goes, yeah. And instead, what he does is at the end of the episode, you just see him turn up back at the fucking, you know, that butchers where they all hang out. (laughs) And he comes in. They're like, hey, Tony, you're back. And he's like (laughs) fucking within five minutes of being in there. He's had a drink. He's had a cigar. They're exchanging jokes. Then he gets involved in some aggro that's going on outside the shop. Then Then he sees some FBI agents and starts doing banter with them. And then the episode just fucking ends, and he's like really happy, puffing on a cigar. And I and thought, and, and yeah, that's like a di- that is addiction. What they've shown there is like,
0: yeah,
2: you, we all have things that fucking dis- designed to distract. We all have things that lend a certain amount of chaos to one degree or another to our ha- to our lives, which fucking cause a distraction from the deeper, darker feelings that we've never like confronted. And there comes a stage for everyone where you're kind of like, are you going to stop and fucking deal with this now? Or are you going to carry on? And addiction yeah. is like, for years, I would just carry on drinking or taking drugs or any of the other fucking things I did or getting really angry about shit, mm. which I still do sometimes, where you just sort of think, ah, I'll just throw myself further into this because if not,
1: into the, abyss.
2: Oh, the, the alternative is so dark and, and such a hassle that yeah. I'll just fucking carry on. So, of course, this is only season three. I think perhaps we see him sort of making more of an effort later in it. But it was really funny because it was just sort of like the quick fix of him just basically being back with his mates. Being back in the Mafia just made him happy again. Whereas when it's he stepped just, out of the Mafia, he was just yeah. really depressed.
1: Just Everything in its glow, place. The warm glow of that familiarity, of the the, the vice, that yes. this, the, the cloak that he wears. Yeah. It
2: reminded me a bit of when you used to when I was younger and uh, it would be the summer and I we were talking last week about how sometimes the summer gets you a bit depressed because we were talking about how hot weather makes people feel like they're missing out on stuff. Yeah. And um and another and, and so I would get that uh, but also I think it was that the football season wouldn't be going on. So you didn't have that familiarity of like the weekends and something to focus your mind, but also going with your mates because you mm. often you don't see your football mates over the summer much. I didn't. I did a little bit sometimes. We'd get together for a summer get together, but not always. And then like, there's, then fucking mid-August would come, the season would start. You'd go to the football, have a few beers with your mates and everything would just seem to melt away again. Mm. You need you need um, your familiar routines don't you
1: Yeah I'm wondering if, you how, how how any of this ties into um looking in the nineties well, What I was going to say
2: was just quick what I was going to oh, say Richard was of all the great characters <laughs> Tony Soprano has got to be a lot of people say Tony Soprano but for me he's just picked by Richard O'Sullivan it's stunning Mm. Rendition of Dick Turpin in the early yeah. 80s and that's why this copy of this looking annual you've got your hands on has really yeah. captured my interest
1: I mean we've promised before to do an episode by episode look at Dick Turpin and maybe we'll get around to it eventually but um, not today. I've got looking the annual the 1970s uh, best of um, and as you said it's got Richard O'Sullivan and um, what's her name Paula Wilcox from Man About Whoa. The House she's on there next to him We've also got... uh, Oh, it's Sally Sally Tomsett, was it? It was the the blonde lady in Man About the House. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the whole threesome are there. Then there's David Cassidy, then there's Abba, and then there's uh, Lee Majors, Farrah Fawcett. And I don't know who that cunt is there is that cunt with the glasses on? Can you see him?
2: Is he the cunt who ran things in the... Is he from The Man From Uncle?
1: (laughs) May I, might be, uh, (laughs) yeah. The Man From Uncle cunt. (laughs) Um, I don't know. <laughs> the cunt
2: from uncle as it was called in the UK in, in America it was no in Scotland it was called the cunt from uncle <laughs> the cunt so this from uncle.
1: is this is the look in 1970s annual and it's got 143 pages in it Sam and if you want to choose a random number we'll have a look and see what's what's on that page
2: yeah okay uh, I'll start with page 16 please
1: page 16 Incredible, incredible stuff. Page 16 is entitled Striking Out with Jeff Hurst.
2: Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> 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 See, that was the cosmos reached out to me there with page 16.
1: Page Don't 16, tell me it's Jeff about Hurst. his
2: favourite titty bars. A lot of readers ask, what's the best titty <laughs> bar in London? <laughs> Well, why stop there? I've visited titty bars all around the UK for away games.
1: <laughs> striking out with Jeff, striking out at the titty bars with Jeff Hurst. Mm-hmm. And it says, a personal interview by Richard Davies. Mm. Richard Davies, of course, is Dickie Davies from World of Sports. Oh! Get, when he was still going by here. the name Richard. Richard Davies. Mm. And there's a picture of him there, right in the top corner. Dickie Davies is there. Gorgeous. And there's Jeff Hurst. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he talks about the uh, 1966 World Cup final, of course. Reflecting on that great deal, Jeff said, Of course, I remember it with a great sense of pleasure. Before the game, I was more nervous than at any other time, and when it was all over, I was exhausted. When I scored that last goal, I just hit the ball as hard as I could. I thought, if it didn't go in the net, at least it would reach the Wembley crowd behind the goal, and while the ball was retrieved, I could have a little rest.
0: We'd almost <laughs> played
1: for two hours at that point. And that's Jeff, that's Jeff Hurst's kind of scripted, well worn
2: yeah, memory, exactly. isn't it? He, he's if you want anything more than that, it's going to cost you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the place. What you've got Hurst. there is my boilerplate World Cup <laughs> reflection. If you want anything with more detail that requires me to delve any further into my memory <laughs> banks, you will need to pay serious money.
1: <laughs> Jalapeno. And yeah, there's there's only about five paragraphs in the feature. Um, And it says that he's still with West Ham at this point. I don't know what year this was, but he's still there. And it says, at at the moment, the club has hit hard times. So um, goals are his business. And sometimes a player has to take a lot of stick to score them. Jeff won't tell you this, but I will, says Richard Davies, Dickie Davies. It takes courage, an even temper and an overflowing talent. And that's England's top striker, Jeff Hurst. So there we go. interview with Jeff Hurst there. And um, even better, even more cosmossy on this page. It says underneath there's a little a little box and it says one pound for your star question. So you can send in a question. And Dickie Davis mm. interviews various stars and you get a pound if you use if they use your question. And it says last week I asked you to write in with the question you wanted Roger Taylor to answer
2: fucking hell that is astonishing
1: Roger Taylor now it's not our Roger Taylor I, oh. there must have been some sports star called Roger Taylor oh, in the
2: 1970s wow. ok it's not that astonishing um, then, but, but still... even,
1: even even so it's good enough for me I'm just what going to
2: but were are the questions about consumer and money saving
1: techniques don't, <laughs> I don't know because they're not they're not there there must have been our uh, Roger Taylor was a tennis player there you go mm. Roger Taylor was a tennis player of the early 1970s. Um, obviously, he was British, so he wouldn't have won much. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah that's um, what's
2: funny It's like any British tennis player of anything before, well, before Murray, really. I mean, pretty I was about much. To think Henman had Tim had goal, Henman, but they? even he yeah. was no great shakes, was he? Oh,
1: well, he was just popular because the novelty of a British play, tennis player being half decent. Yeah, and it's, he looked um,
2: like exactly the sort of bloke that every fucking Middle England Daily Mail reading Wimbledon loving fucking twat would yeah. have either loved if you, if you were one of the housewives, you'd you'd have loved to have been having it off with him. Yeah, yeah. Having, and if you were the, having dry the clinical sex with,
1: yeah. or rhythmical, with his mum, rhythmical probably because yeah. of the old, the old tennis swing thing. Oh, yeah. he's like a metronome. <laughs> <laughs> it just it, it it doesn't get it all the way in, but just enough to be able to feel it.
2: You know, he just likes to put the tip
1: in, in he and says, out, in and
2: out, because he says that way it's not a uh, not a sin. <laughs> if you just put the tip in, he says it, it's a rhyme. If you just put the tip, in. it's not a sin. If you just put, the, just tip put the tip in, that's Tim <laughs> Henman's motto. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and if and of course, if, you, if, if the, uh, the housewives were older, of course, Tim Henman was the one that they'd want their daughter to bring back home.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: The, the dream and if you were a or.
2: male and you were of that sort of demographic, you'd just think he was a great chap to go a and have ruddy, half a bitter with.
1: ruddy great bloke, yeah. Great guy. You could go, go for a pint on a Sunday lunchtime with him yeah. before the Sunday lunch is ready and then back home. Sunderland just snooze the antique What
2: the fuck would he talk
1: about? Fucking pension plans, a cunt.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, look, it's quite a good deal. In fact, if you want me to put put you in touch with my advisor, I will, he's a great, great chap, one of us.
1: Fucking pension plans and proposed new housing developments <laughs> on the outskirts <laughs> of town that they're obviously fucking launching a campaign against. The fucking nimby cunts.
2: Fuck yeah.
1: Can you imagine The idea of living in a village in the countryside seems appealing, doesn't it? For the peace and quiet Mm. and the tranquility Mm. and being away from the rat race and everything. But then you find yourself trapped in a prison with these cunts.
2: You have to deal with those cunts, yeah. (sighs) Jesus Christ.
1: I think absolute solitude is the only answer, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you either (laughs) live, I guess, in a city or you disappear... To one of those islands where you see you things sometimes pop up on <laughs> yeah, you just go off grid and live in a shed there's a good when I think of off off grid there's that film mm. there's a film called children of men which is a dystopian movie and right. and uh, I think it's Clive Owens the main guy in it it's it's very depressing but um Sounds in in it Michael Caine plays some old hippie who's gone off grid <laughs> and when they <laughs> like go that. to find him <laughs> When they go to find him, as I'm probably misremembering this, but when they go to find him, they're just like drive along a country road and then they suddenly just take a fucking hard left through some bushes and he's on the other side. And I've always right. thought that's basically in my mind what living <laughs> off-grid is. Because I drive along Be country roads and I went to see my brother. My brother's moved out to the countryside now. You said, Like yeah. you've suggested. I? And I went to see him last week. And as I'm driving through the Cotswold countryside... I look at all the different country roads, I think... I just keep thinking to myself, I wonder what's on the other side of that bush.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> I was thinking, if I was on the lam <clears throat> from someone, mm. I don't know who, either the government or some nasty characters who I've upset, mm. who want to give me a, nut, a little smack on the body. Right, <laughs> I um, I, <laughs> I, just think no-one's ever going to find you if you just if you just go through a bush and then just wait on the other side of the bush set up home there.
1: How can they track you behind a bush? That's reminded me one of the great lost sitcoms from the years of BBC Choice. Lots of people have been talking about um, Sean Locke's 15 stories high quite rightly. is fantastic and it's appeared back on iPlayer. But one of the other ones that appeared on BBC Choice or BBC Three I think at the same time was Simon Day um, doing Billy Bleach from the fast show. The guy from the pub. And he got his own spin-off sitcom called Grass.
0: Where oh, he was on yeah.
1: the run because he'd grassed someone up and he ended up on witness protection in the countryside. Oh, and I it's saw fucking it. brilliant. Yeah. It's fucking great. So, um, oh, and that, definitely again, it's, watched it's that, it's that fish out of water. Day.
2: What a genius, yeah.
1: It's that fish out of water sitcom thing. I think you might submit a go on on DVD you'd probably pick it up for a couple of quid I think that brings us back
2: in some way to Sopranos because didn't Steve Van Sant who I heard being interviewed on the radio over the weekend who of course is Silvio um, in The Sopranos and is in The E Street Band he yeah. was in a in a in a Netflix show called Lilyhammer which he was talking about saying oh you know a lot of people have rediscovered it it was one of Netflix's first ever shows Yes, and I think that's the same premise isn't it isn't he like a mob guy who's on the lam and has gone to live in the fucking backwaters of Scandinavia
1: I, yeah I believe so I, that was one of those where I just watched the first episode and I just couldn't get into it I yeah. was just underwhelmed
2: a lot of those shows are well, about. Uh,
1: yeah, that sort of thing. I'm just looking to see if grass is available on any streaming services. And I don't think it is. Um, I had the DVD because I still buy DVDs. You see, because you I don't, don't believe it in it streaming. All. I don't trust I te- I te- it. i tell you it's-
2: another thing that's not on streaming that I've been trying to watch. Two Beatles since <laughs> I watched Ron Howard's eight days a week the other week, yeah. which was very enjoyable. Just in a sort of here's a generic thing about the Beatles that washes over you and makes you feel happy. Right? And uh, so I thought, fuck this, I'm gonna rewatch some of my other favourite Beatles things. My favourite of all being living in the material world, Martin oh, Scorsese's yeah. George Harrison film. I think yeah. it was Scorsese. Yeah. Fucking was. game changer, right? George Harrison. Jet spend George Harrison's spending his whole life just preparing to die. Fucking yeah. legend. <laughs> that's me. I just fucking it popped into my head in about 1964 when I were out in India I just thought I'm gonna die better start getting ready now
1: and then but then in the early 90s whenever it was when death came to his home in the shape yeah. of that burglar he, he, he it fought off. him off <laughs> fought tooth and nail to beat him off
2: I love that because he was in his mansion and some mad cunt came to kill him and suddenly he went from this totally enlightened fucking Hare Krishna I'm um, just all about spiritual enlightenment. He just—it it was just like he forgot he was a working-class yeah. kid from Liverpool, and that side like yeah, yeah. just took over and saved his life. it into
1: a scrapper. Yeah, yeah. It he was his wife that who hit, his... The, hit the guy over the head with a, a lampshade or something, didn't she? Or a oh, or something yeah. like that. I don't know. if She He's was Mrs. scouts or not? I think no, she wasn't. I think she's quite posh. She, hmm. uh, I think she saved his Get life. Get off him! I He's a
2: beetle. Pump. <laughs> my missus has got a fucking clouty one way on the fucking not with a fucking... And that's a fucking expensive lamp that is from China. It's a Ming vase.
1: Yeah, Grass is available on DVD uh, for 29 quid. So there you go. And it's not on streaming. So you have got to take to my word for it. I don't think it's on YouTube either.
2: Yeah, and you're Nor is Living in the Material it, World or the Beatles backstory movie Backbeat neither of them oh yeah
1: backbeat the soundtrack of that is fucking brilliant it's It's um,
2: what's his name what was his name the guy who died who was in the Beatles Stuart Sutcliffe Sutcliffe. yeah
1: but the soundtrack for it was that a a band was put together for it and Don Fleming who I think was in Dinosaur Junior produced it and was in the band and Greg Dully out of the Afghan Wigs and I think what's his chops at Foo Fighters Um, Dave Grohl I think he plays on it as well and it, the, the CD is only like twenty eight minutes long, but they do all of the early rock and roll songs that are in Backbeat, because uh, so they, they couldn't. Well, they, they needed a band to play them in the film. They didn't use like there wasn't any original Beatles recordings from Hamburg, so they needed a band to play. Ah,
2: on so these, they just recreated it, and the so actors they, mimed along.
1: Yeah, they put together a fucking great group of contemporary artists and uh, so the Backbeat soundtrack I don't know that might be dead expensive it might be on Spotify Might not be, well I can't know.
2: get the fucking film either fucking anyway
1: hell. that's probably
2: um, that's going to be another DVD fucking purchase is it
1: Backbeat DVD £8.70 oh, it's out of stock lots of things are out of stock at the minute I wonder why um, Blu-rays 20 quid on Amazon I'll turn to just watch the website that I Keep mentioning that people, um,
2: I know I used that's what I used.
1: You used it, and now it's not there, is it? See, it's you can't there. trust streaming, everybody. You cannot trust streaming by the physical objects. Um, on that other page here from looking, I don't know when, maybe the same week as the, the Jeff Ersk thing, but it's a full page poster, a cat weasel. Oh, How about that? Yeah, <laughs> look at that full page. Here, 4 get that cut out and put on your wall.
2: Fucking catweasel, Cat absolutely mad cunt. Look at his face.
1: Yeah, yeah, with a ma- a mad fucking grin on his face. um And it just I still- says much, much magic to all readers. Jeffrey Catways catweasel. He's fucking signed it as well. What about
2: electricery? Is a term that I use pretty much every day, me and my wife. And then you always forget it's from the other day. My kids said, "Why do I say electricery instead of electricity?" And mm. I was like, oh, it's from a programme when we were kids. And it actually wasn't when me and my wife were kids, because it was before that. It was like yeah. early, mid-70s. Well, was- yeah. And he went, what's the show? And I went, Cat Weasel. And he went, oh, yeah, what's that about? Said, it's just about a tramp in medieval times who time travels <laughs> to the 1970s and gets freaked out by everything. <laughs> and i got to say, Len was like, I've got to watch that. <laughs>
1: Tricking. Well, yeah. Why? Uh, my, my question is: Why is Cat Weasel not being rebooted? I know. Well, there's probably time a few reasons because he looks a, a bit time-traveling uh, tramp. Yeah. Well, we're kind of at the end of this episode. Let's quickly find another page and justify our existence in this episode about looking. Forty-two. Give me. Forty-two. Page forty-two. That is. It's oh fuck off, Sam!
2: It's Have a full-page it
1: poster. It's a full-page poster. And it's the Man About, man about the
2: House
1: ah, team. Ah! Unbelievable. That's all, it is. that's all it is. It's Richard O'Sullivan, uh, Sally at Paula Wilcox, and what is he eating? R- Richard spaghetti. O'Sullivan appears to be eating... Is that a fish?
2: I can't see from me. I thought it was spaghetti at see. first. It he's pulling a face him. that communicates so much, Andy. It's sort of... He's half saying, this looks tasty, but on the other hand, he's going... And i tell you what else that's tasty too. These yeah. two Dorises that I've managed to shack up with.
1: <laughs> it looks like an entire cod fillet that he's got on the end of his fork.
2: Well, in well, the 70s, that be. would have been yeah. really like fancy, wouldn't it?
1: It would have been. I don't know. Well, I mean, you've chosen two spectacular pages there, Sam. Um, but we'll explore this further next time, I think. Because yeah, definitely... yeah, Let's
2: let's get deep into it. What year did you say it was again?
1: Well this is the 70s it's an annual that came out a few years ago and it covers the whole of the 70s Always I was mean, one of them on, on the inside of the cover there's there's just a load of covers of looking we should say because people might not know what looking was looking was um it was the advertised at the junior TV times and the TV times just yes. used to have ITV listings You'd have yeah. the Radio Times and the TV Times. If you wanted BBC listens, you ought to buy the Radio yeah, Times. If so you wanted ITV listens, you ought to buy the, the TV Times. Yeah, do you know what my mum called
2: them? We, we would generally, we wouldn't get them year round, but we'd always get them for Christmas because they do the yeah. double editions. And she'd call them the books. So that's what I knew Ooh, them as. But I don't know if wow. anyone else called She goes, It's Christmas, so we've got to get the books.
1: Wow, I've never heard that before. And I've never heard it
2: since. But when I was a kid, I just thought that's what they were called the books.
1: Fucking, I like that. I like that a lot. Get the books in. So, Looking was the junior TV times, and it had comic strips of the top ITV shows of the day, Mm. um, such as The Bionic Woman, A Man About the House comic strip. You know what I mean? And it had pop stars in. So, before Smash Hits came along and just took over everything, your pop star coverage would be in Looking. Yeah, just TV
2: and a bit of pop music, interviews, stories, cartoons. It was a fucking great mag. It was the first mag.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, it was like started on the Beano, moved to Looking, and then stepped up to Smash Hits after that. Yeah, but Looking was it was like the consummate mag because it had it. It was like it it, was like a best. It had every different type of magazine content you'd look for and yeah. it ruthlessly just like with laser focus went in on just the shit that kids yeah. loved
1: yeah the stuff that's on the telly that you watch and pop stars that's all you fucking need and a bit of sport as well with your jeff Hurst and everything so we'll uh, we'll delve a bit further into it next time because we've um oh dear me there's the black and white minstrels um i'm just flicking through it um yeah so so looking was the junior tv times it was it was fucking great um, so more of this next week in history Box.
2: love it what a great history box well, that's me saying that I mean it's not really I don't know what you the audience think but
1: well, we don't care do we nah not exactly Turrell. all the best